Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Undiluted Truth, coming to you from All Seasons Tabletop Studio. And do not forget to like, subscribe, and share, or dust your keyboard as somebody's doing at the moment. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Don't also don't forget our podcast email, which is theundilutedtruth.podcast at gmail.com. Also, today's episode is the continuation of New Unheard Progress Report of U.S. Health Failures by Dr. Peter McCulloch. And, without further delay, let's give a warm welcome, because it's cold here, to our host, Mike. Oh, wonderful. Hey, Ben. How we doing? We're we're doing doing pretty good. And we trust and hope all of you guys out there listening are doing very well. Uh, Absolutely. We're about about, uh, half... Half I get halfway year? halfway oh. th- halfway through the first month of a new year, yeah. and uh, we are definitely uh, uh, hoping and praying that twenty twenty two is uh, not twenty twenty two twenty 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 two. Yeah, uh, can you do the math on all of that? <clears throat> we hope it's at least two steps up from uh, the twenty twenty one, but um, yeah, it. It is really good to be here. It, uh, it it's always good to be here seeking truth and mm-hmm. in this process, I, I'm I'm always encouraged that because what we find is is many others out there doing the same thing that we are. Because I, I don't know about you, Ben. There's some days that I, I I just think that no one is seeing what is really going on, and no one is getting the help that they need, and yeah. Uh, and, and you know, if you just for a moment close your eyes and envision what you have seen over the last couple of years, you almost see just I don't know, say mind numbed robots or people just walking around doing what they're doing as a majority, and you think yeah. how many people really know what is going on, and do they know that if they get ill, they can get help? And do they know that there is hope? And do they know Christ? Do yeah. they do they know yeah. you know? Because there's there's times that you know we've gone through this now for almost two years, and mm-hmm. we've gone through so many changes, and we have come across a lot of people that I have never heard of before, and there's there there have been people that I have lost tremendous uh, tremendous respect for, and there's been people that I have gained tremendous respect for. Right. And yeah. that's one of the things that I really, really like, and I am encouraged about the research that's done and being able to share it. Right. Uh, I, I really enjoy that. Uh, yeah. Well, I agree with you, and, and at the same point, point same at the same time, Kind of saddened by by what you said, uh, you know, with the you know mind numbing robots, so to speak, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's just like, like, why are you satisfied with 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 your knowledge, so to speak? It's like, because I mean, 
So sorry, no. I was just thinking. So should we go back and do another episode on the technique of truth seeking? Because it sounds like that's kind of what you were. Are, I mean, are you okay I mean, with? I mean, are you okay it, with your knowledge? Are you okay with not knowing what you could know? Well, you know, are yeah, you val- are you I validating mean, your truth? Right. You know? I mean, it's like, and thank you for for getting in there with that because I was just getting frustrated <laughs> with trying to figure out what I was getting at there. But you're you're right. It's like you know, you ask some of these people out there that are like that are quote that they know what's going on and you say well what about this or something like that or how much research have you done they're like oh well i you know they said and they said you know those people like who are they yeah you know they said who are who we've found out are corrupt (laughs) yeah and and it's just like so you're satisfied with the they say right yeah you know is there is is there anything else out there really or is what they say end all, you know, type of thing. Yeah. It's like you almost want to ask them. It's like, what are you, you know, you're just happy with whatever they say. Yeah. Well, I think the question to be, like, you know, when you're, you're saying they're, they're following the they said this, they said that, so I have to, or this is what's going on. And the question is, you're, you you have taken in that information. Do you want to know if that's correct? If, yes. Do oh, you good good yeah. call good call? Do you want to do you want to verify what you just heard? Right. Yeah. Did, that's the key right there. Do you yeah. want to? I nice. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, it's just frustrating to see it. I mm-hmm. mean, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, like like you said on one of the podcasts, it's it like with some family members or people that you've come in contact with, it's like, it's frustrating when you've done all, all this research. Right. And and then they're satisfied with the, well, they say, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. Well, you and I it's both like, know. If you're seeking, if you actually want to know what the truth is, and we've kind of been over this before, yeah. you are open to all information. Now you still filter that mm-hmm. and decide and see what lines up with, what yeah you know you do your due diligence yes but you're still open to all the information you have to be just like if some mm-hmm. of our listeners send something in that contradicts mm-hmm. what we say we, we can still look at that and right. filter it and if we find out hey well that's actually does line up a little bit better than you know sure hey yeah we're, we're gonna accept that i mean yeah. so well, yeah unfortunately i think some people in their search for truth which isn't where i am my search for for truth is to find the absolute undiluted truth. Right. It's not seeking teammates. And what I mean by that, if you understand, you yeah, might know. I, I see. No, I get because you. I'm, you know, for instance, you could have a handful of doctors, and I'll be I'll be the first to tell you, I don't agree with a hundred percent of everything that Doctor Robert Malone says. Most of what he's what he has to say, but right. I don't agree with I don't agree with it all. I can't dispute his facts. But he has some ideas that you don't that, that I don't necessarily agree right, with. Exactly. But I am not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so so to speak. I'm not going to throw everything that Robert Malone says or does out just because I disagree with one little piece of what he right. is saying. Right. You know. So, but what 
I think some do is they will look at maybe that piece and quote him on that and go, you see, this is, you know, he agrees with a, well, wait a minute, right. you know, yeah. you put it into context and so exactly. forth and so on. Or it might be, uh, you know, an individual that totally disagrees with this other individual. Right. But it's only based on audio. It's yeah. only based on what they're saying. Yeah. And then when you ask them, do you have any studies? Do you have anything, trials or anything, to any resources uh, to, you know, research to back any of this up? They'll say, well, no, but so-and-so said it. Re- yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and then our, the question would be, and you're okay with that? Right. Do you, You're all right with that? Yeah. And yeah. and unfortunately, they are because they're only seeking teammates. I'm only seeking yeah. people that agree with me. Right. And the, and and in and, that in that searching, there also seems to be some sort of hierarchy yeah. of acceptance too. Like yeah. like if you're at a certain level, if some if you hear something from somebody that you consider a lower than you, you're not yeah. going to listen. Yeah. To even what they yeah. say, if you you know, um, so there's there's that, and it's just like what. Yeah. And unfortunately, you will remain obtuse in your your thinking or truth seeking and and really your understanding of what you're trying to you know to seek to understand if 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 that makes any sense. Mm, so yeah. Uh, but anyway, sorry to get sidetracked. No, no, there. no. Back um, to and that's why you know I appreciate these these people that we. Dig up, the, really? The, the, they, we're digging. Yeah, we're digging them up. Yeah, we're, that's we're, a metaphor. We're, we're raising the dead. Well, in a way, we sort of are raising because oh, the truth man. seems to be dead these days. Well, they've been so, swept over, so we got to uncover the. Uh, yes, well, it's, yes. It's not. I guess it's yeah. not really digging, but yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no. You know, so you know, we are. We're we're sort of bringing them to you know to we're pulling the carpet back off of over top of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. bringing them to surface uncovering and, them yeah but these these uh, people back everything that they right. say yeah. up the ones that we present right they back it all up with information mm-hmm. you know actual research uh, yeah. uh, studies or whatever whatever it be or whatever they say is absolute truth i mean that that they can back up but i mean right. so and and I appreciate that, and not just the doctors here. We don't want to forget uh, uh, the, the interviewer here. Um, and I, his his last name is difficult because his <laughs> first name is Jan, spelled J A N, and of course okay. we want to, we want to say Jan, but it's and Jan, Jan uh, yes, uh, uh, Jakalik. Uh, okay, but and he's uh, and and just to let people know that the the, the division. He's with the Epoch Times, and this particular uh, show, basically that he does, is called American Thought Leaders. Excellent, gotcha. excellent. So, yeah. But, uh, well, I, I think uh, with our last episode, we're going to continue on. This is part two of this interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. Yeah. And uh, we will uh, pick that up with the segment, and it was a question uh, being asked by the interviewer, Jan. So, all right. All righty. Uh, welcome again, all you rock tumblers and truth seekers, uh, to another episode of the Undiluted Truth. And here we go. Now, there's actually 
two drugs that I'm aware of that are actually FDA approved. I think I mentioned that before. Um, of course, monoclonal antibodies, which uh, I've heard have reduced efficacy against Omicron. We'll do a whole thing on Omicron in a moment. Um, and then the other one, fluvoxamine, right? Is, did, I get that name, did I get the name right? No, uh, the, the history of the emergency use authorization process is interesting. So there had been previously uh, probably about five to ten previously emergency use authorized products that had ever come into um, uh, uh, use in the United States. Emergency use authorization regulation is exactly that. It's an emergency. We need some authorization to use a product uh, in some type of either government relief or private relief uh, quickly, and that we just don't have the time, the luxury of time, for the approval-to-market process. Don't forget, when drugs come on the market, a big aspect of it is, how is it going to be marketed? And so much of the FDA's activities actually have to do with drug advertising. A package insert or a label we'll go is actually, a, mm. uh, in a sense, a regulatory license to market a drug. And so the indications of a drug are actually for advertising labels. Advertising. That's what's called a label. It's an advertising label on a product. The indications aren't necessarily how doctors would use that product, but the, it, it, it basically creates the boundaries upon which a company can actually make claims. That's what the labels are. So an emergency use authorization, all that's out now. Now it's just a matter of, is there enough information to support its use? Let's get it out there. And the emergency use authorization says... We don't know if this is really going to work. We don't know if this is really going to save, but it's our best thing that we can offer now. So the first product that came out that got emergency use authorization was hydroxychloroquine. So uh, the countries uh, around the world saw hydroxychloroquine from early data. It was shown that it can impair viral replication. It looks supportive. Even the early clinical studies look supportive. It was safe and effective. We use it in rheumatoid arthritis and, and systemic lupus. It's used for malaria prevention. We knew about it. Also, there's mefloquine. And uh, chloroquine as other anti-malarials. And so the medical community very familiar with anti-malarials. They're drugs that work against parasites. They work inside cells, and they also dramatically reduce inflammation. Wow, what a combination in COVID-19 where we have a virus that works inside cells that creates a terrible inflammation. So it makes sense that, that it would be uh, first up on the list, even from research that dated back um, 15 to 20 years ago. So um, with that... The, in the United States, we actually had an emergency use authorization for hydroxychloroquine to be used in the hospital. And so we looked at that. We said, fine, that's great. Uh, we had heard about a stockpile being developed by the United States. There were stockpiles being used uh, outside the United States. Uh, but what we saw quickly within through March and in April was not a free flow of hydroxychloroquine, not a, not a better utilization of hydroxychloroquine. We started to see a restrictive use. So, for instance, in France, it was over-the-counter. It could be used wide open. Then it became prescription. In mm. Australia, quickly, there were rules put on the books in April saying mm. if a doctor used hydroxychloroquine, it was actually actually forbidden to do that, but a doctor could be fined or put in jail. In the United States, it said, well, hydroxychloroquine could only be used in the hospital. And when it was in the largest study uh, of ever done in thousands of patients at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, its use in a prospective cohort study where people were consented and everything was carefully uh, uh, monitored, had a dramatic impact when used early in reducing mortality. And so that study uh, influenced us greatly. So in the spring of 2020, I worked um, at the um, 
request of Peter Navarro in the White House uh, to help America, in a sense, broaden the emergency use authorization to outpatient use. Because if the Henry Ford data suggested it worked early, uh, we didn't have reason to believe it would work late when people are on the ventilator, then let's get it out early and let's use it and leverage it in terms of reducing the risk of hospitalization mm -hmm. and death. And a whole mm -hmm. series of events happened. Uh, many will recall, recall uh, President Trump mentioning it's a game changer. In March, many will recall that the, um, the division head of the National Institutes of Health Allergy and Immunology branch stated in March that someone asked him, as a doctor, would you use hydroxychloroquine to treat a patient with COVID-19? He said, yes, I would preferably in a clinical trial. So we really had the green light for uh, the use of hydroxychloroquine. And then there was this political uh, backlash. Uh, and uh, in June, several things happened. Uh, one, there was a falsified paper published in Lancet. And uh, Okay, we're going to pause right there. Uh, th this is really good stuff. And, you know, I, I just want to let people know that Dr. McCullough has nothing in front of him other than the interview. He has no documents. This is, this he's got a, well, I would say a brilliant mind, but you know when somebody has been in it, he's not trying yeah. to tell you what has happened. He's gone through all of this. He knows his stuff. Well, yeah, because yeah. he's experienced all of it. Yeah. And and one important thing that I wanted to bring up that he said because he was talking about the hydroxychloroquine. Well, two things, but uh, the the first thing was is this thing was free flowing, emergency use. Yep, you can use it. We're not sure how it's going to work, but what what you did know. But for many years, it was used for other things, right? Par, you know, a parasitic, uh, right. yeah. a malaria, and so forth. So people have been using it. No adverse events, you know, from using this particular drug. Did that was no concern. Yeah. So, the, the, what was the probably the only question was, can we repurpose this drug and will it work here? Because by all uh, signs and, and evidence, it looks like what it does should work with this. Right. And I think the other important thing he was saying was that it was more of a drug that was would be used early on because once you get the actually the inflammatory response you get that now you don't want the hydroxychloroquine is really not going to do you much good you need to kind of shift your your prescription over to some other things I think that's important to know because just because there's a drug that works during this Right. Uh, time frame in the virus doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work all throughout. Right. Because when that inflammatory thrombotic response begins, things have to change because we know that's when blood clots could start happening and so forth. Yeah. So uh, yeah. those are the two things that I wanted to highlight there, and he's going to really get into uh, uh, some, you know, some other areas about this. Well, I'll jump in real quick and say two things that, I, that popped out in my mind, and one was. Uh, the fact that he's talking about the 2020. Yes. He's, he And I believe he mentioned as early as February. Mm -hmm. So that's right after everything, quote, started here. Yes. And he's saying that we had an emergency use. Now, here's the, you know, and he's kind of mentioned this, but if you had the emergency authorization then and you've been using it, and now you've proven, because he said that basically they proved that this was helping. Yes. Why would you take it off? Well, did, did you why hear would, the, did Why you, would you take it off? Yeah. That, but that's my question. That well, that popped in my head. It's like... Well, well, he answered that. 
Because re- yeah. he's, he just said— There's he some said, political things yeah, and, yeah, and a false statement. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying yeah. that if you had that emergency use, the whole point is to see if that's working for yeah. what you exactly. wanted. And now you've proven that it's working, and now but, you, but now we yank it. Yeah, now you can't find it. You it's can't like, get it. You, yeah, yeah. So sure. I, yeah. Anyway, well, good. No, that's a good. That's a good question. Lead in. So, folks, why would it just the question been asked? It, everything seems to be working. Why would why would it be yanked? Everything mm-hmm. looks fine. Let's see where we go from here. With uh, and he said uh, now he was just getting into. There was something printed out in the Lancet, in the which Lancet, is yep. really big. So mm-hmm. let's let's pick it up right there. Uh, which uh, uh, surprised all of us. The paper came out. It claimed to have tens of thousands of patients with COVID nineteen hospitalized at multiple centers around the world in their forties, hospitalized with COVID nineteen, and it claimed to show that hydroxychloroquine had a slight excess of harm and not a mortality benefit, not an overwhelming harm, but a slight excess of harm. And this was published in Lancet, one of our best journals. Uh, it's kind of the New England Journal of Medicine for the world. And it literally hung up on Lancet for about two weeks. And I looked at the paper. I said, we're hospitalizing people in their 80s with COVID-19, not their 40s. And how in the world can they possibly get these data systems together? You know, it takes months to get data use agreements. It takes months to get collaborations. You know, things just don't, data doesn't fall out of the sky in medicine. You know, how did they get this consented? How did they get this approved by the IRB? Uh, there were authors from Harvard, and then a company called Surgisphere. And then after about two weeks of, of, of a lot of uh, medical news on this, and doctors started to actually lose their confidence in, in, in hydroxychloroquine. Hospital messaging started to say, listen, don't use hydroxychloroquine in the hospital. It looks like it's actually killing people. Unceremoniously, Lancet pulled it down and said, we retracted. No explanation, no apologies. What happened after that is the National Institutes of Health had a multi-center clinical trial of using hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, 2,000 patients, prospective uh, randomized controlled trial. They had multiple treatment sites. They had the notebooks. They had distributed the drugs. They had everything going. They actually recruited 20 patients out of 2,000 patients. And without any real explanation, they said, we're shutting down this program. The NIH pulled the program on a fully funded trial in the midst of our initial wave in COVID-19. I wonder why. And then Mm. shortly after that, the FDA put out a statement. Hydroxychloroquine should not be used across the board, period. And that was in summer of 2020. There was no additional review. There was no discussion. There was no sets of communications or there was no no statement to say, listen, right now we're uncertain. Uh, Let's review it in three months or a month. Nothing. And from that day forward, Messaging permeated through all of the health systems. Do not use hydroxychloroquine. Do not use hydroxychloroquine. It was stunning. That was in the first year of 2020. And then 2021, the second year of the pandemic, the next drug up on the block, ivermectin. Ivermectin did not have uh, the interest of the National Institutes of Health. By that time, they had completely departed from any type of uh, uh, rapid, high-quality, uh, randomized trial of oral drugs. And ivermectin, so we relied on data outside the United States. And with ivermectin, which is an antiparasitic agent, like hydroxychloroquine, has at least three mechanisms of action. Ivermectin is the only drug we think actually antagonizes the dangerous spike protein of the virus, but it also impairs nuclear entry, uh, influences abnormal kinases within the, uh, the cytoplasm of cells. 
uh, it's, it's like a triple benefit, just like hydroxychloroquine is a triple benefit. And the data were basically supportive. Were they perfect? No. But we're at over 63 studies now. Hydroxychloroquine has run all the way up to, to, to 30 studies. Uh, in, 300, I think you said. 300, I'm yeah. sorry. 300 with hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 60, over 60 with um, ivermectin. You know, largely supportive. And uh, there, uh, we, didn't, we never had an emergency use authorization with ivermectin. But what we had is we had official organization action. So in September of 2021, the American Medical Association announced an initiative to abolish the use of ivermectin. Abolish it. It was absolutely stunning. Why would a medical organization that's effectively a doctor's political action committee that doesn't opine on other drugs, doesn't offer therapeutic guidelines, doesn't you know, pull together groups of experts to decide on things, why would that organization decide to abolish the use of ivermectin. The FDA picked this up. The FDA put official communications out through Twitter and through other social media and major media. And it said, ivermectin is only a horse dewormer. Don't use a veterinary product to treat COVID-19. That was picked up by the major media. And it was parroted as well. Uh, They asked a CNN medical correspondent. And he said, categorically, ivermectin has no evidence supporting this use in COVID-19. Our director of the National Allergy and Immunology Branch said the same thing. No evidence. They used the word no. Well, in the meantime, Americans knew there were over 60 supportive studies, randomized trials, observational trials, and there was roughly about a 70% reduction in the endpoint, whether it be hospitalization or mortality. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, that really... It just brings it a little bit more forward and clear. I like the way he's walking through this because he's yeah. doing this in in what I would call real time. Mm-hmm. And don't miss the fact that out of the blue, this committee or this group of people, if you heard what he said, these people don't really have any authority and they never had any say over drugs or approved or, or even grading I would say, you know, right. drugs, good, bad, and different. And how is it that these people can just come out and say, we are banning this particular right. drug, this ivermectin. We're banning it, period. With, with, with actual proof, there were trials being done, and every trial that was being done was showing, as he said, a 70% so reduction a of a people yeah. hospitalization, right? Uh, I and mean, you can you can just sort of hear him leaning into what in God's green earth is going on here. This makes no sense. This is not how we we operate. Right. What you know? What what are we going to do? You yeah. know? And and I just want to throw this in here real quick since um uh, since we had talked about this before one other other podcast. If you guys listening remember our podcast uh, with Dr. Brian Artis, um, he was telling you how to go get a document that shows you approved um, medicines for you know uh, treatment of COVID when you go to a hospital. Well, at the time that we did that, and he even said as of at least July, mm-hmm. it was on the approved list. Ivermectin is what I'm talking about. Yes, but apparently, come September which is when the FDA put out this other thing, is what Peter McCullough is saying. 
it apparently got yanked off that list uh, because, Mike, you've gone to there and you even saw that it's I no did. longer listed. It was taken off. But it was actually listed as approved yes, before it was. whatever this mess I had went the, on. And I still have a copy of the document if I don't have the printed document. That you mean actually, of, that had listed it? Yeah, it had yeah. listed it. Remdesivir was at the top of the drugs right. that were approved, right. and the second one was ivermectin. And the remdesivir a, was the one that they were bribing places to yeah, use. Yeah, exa- yes. that's exactly right. They um, were, pay, they were so paying them. Again, folks, that's our episodes with Dr. Brian Artis. But yes. just wanted to put that update in there uh, if you actually listen to this one <laughs> after <laughs> listening to Brian Artis. Right. But, or, if, uh, or if you listen to this one first and go back and, yeah, yeah it's, that was taken. it was taken off. And, and some we, people, we, they hear Dr. Brian Artis and they see that it's off. Now it's going to be like, what? what? Yeah, but, and we'll uh, add it was taken off, really, and, and this is Dr. McCullough for no reason. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. it's got to be sad. And I can see I'm sitting here looking at him in this, in this you know, interview, and you can, see the frus- you can see the frustration, you know, on his face that <laughs> yeah. he's like, you know, I could only imagine, you know, a, a doctor trying to resolve something as serious as as lives and health, and getting excited about we, we we've got we've got treatment, you know, yeah. it's working, and there's nothing nothing more satisfying I could imagine is is someone coming in and you watch them get better and and hey man have a great day and and then be told yeah, and, you can't use that anymore and then you can't you can't do this yeah you know so uh-huh. let's pick uh, we got a couple more minutes wow. left let's uh, we'll pick back up on this so all right oh. So Americans knew, but the American Medical Association and these uh, people visible to Americans were saying something just the opposite. These people. We saw really yeah. a frenzy of activity. In fact, someone had called in uh, and stated that a hospital in Oklahoma was being overwhelmed with ivermectin poisoning cases. That there were patients uh, basically dying in the hallways of gunshot wounds because there were so many patients with ivermectin poisoning. Finally, the administrator of the hospital had to get on and say, you know what, we, we looked at this and, uh, you, you know, there, is, there are no ivermectin overdoses. Uh, and then there was a claim that uh, the poison control centers were overwhelmed with ivermectin poisoning calls. Uh, and this was finally the data was obtained by the poison control centers uh, by trial site news. And trial site news reported, we looked at this, and it turns out they are getting calls on ivermectin, but it's all clarification of dose because the dose is a weight-adjusted dose for ivermectin. There were no poisonings. There were no uh, serious uh, uh, side effects to report about. It was almost a rerun of hydroxychloroquine. In the first year of hydroxychloroquine, there were calls to poison control centers. And people said, oh, people are being poisoned with hydroxychloroquine. And they, they, almost all of them were just clarification questions. You know, do I take it on food or an empty stomach? Something like this. So yeah. uh, there was a clear theme that was going uh. on. Uh, at least the obvious suppression from mm. a regulatory immediate perspective on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin to the point, and sadly, in some countries where it would involve jail time. It's threatened. Jail time was threatened for hydroxychloroquine in Australia, and it actually became reality for uh, a, a doctor in South Africa for attempting to help a patient with ivermectin. And now there are strict bans across Canada, across the United Kingdom, many countries in the EU. Australia, South Africa. So those drugs, as helpful products, uh, we'll never know uh, because of um, this uh, backlash. And people took it upon themselves. Pharmacists took it upon themselves with no regulations, with no support in their 
um, field to just not give patients the medicines when the doctors ordered them. All right. We're going to have to wow. unfortunately wrap it up right there. I mean, and wow. now he's, he's, he's sort <laughs> right. of matter-of-factly just really coming through with some serious, I'm not going to say charges, but just facts. Just Let's just say serious facts because the, the, the last one, Mm-hmm. He he's almost going. I, I don't understand how a pharmacist. He said taking it upon themselves with no authority. Right. Now, now, now check this out. A doctor writes a prescription. Yeah. And they walk in, and a pharmacist says, "No, you're not getting that here." Yeah. Right. And th- this is where we we are, folks. And I, and and you know what? I think it's easy to go. Oh well, you know that's that's a shame. That's over there, or this is over here. This is in the UK. This is in Africa. This is in Australia. But when doctors, for trying to help patients, there's no evidence or no stories about this doctor killed a patient and was put right. in jail because he gave him a poison drug. They're mm-hmm. they're put in jail simply because of the name of the drug they're using to help a patient. And based on all the trials that we know of here uh-huh. and, and ones that Dr. McCullough is speaking of, we're on their way of helping and, and have, have helped. And, and what we do know now, and I, I just know because I know as far as the research and the, the uh, platforms and, and the, and the do- other doctors that I have got information from, there are people that are using these drugs today, and, and you can get them. They're just awful hard to get to. Uh, and Dr. Yeah. Artis, those right. of you listening, if you want to know a little bit more about these drugs and how you can get them and, and other second-choice drugs uh, that, yes. that, will, that will help you, go on to our, our episodes with Dr. Brian Artis and listen to those. Uh, they're, they're awesome. So. But uh, this is is really really good, and uh, God bless uh, Doctor McCullough and and what he's doing. But it is sad. It is so sad to hear some of this information. So yeah. Uh, well, there will be more to come uh, on the next podcast. Uh, not sure. We're going to be mixing a couple of interviews together with uh, Doctor McCullough. And also Dr. Robert Malone. I think the next one uh, that we put out will probably be Dr. Malone, which sort of intertwined through what we're hearing today. But it is it is it current. It's progress reports. And these doctors also, you remember the the episode that we did sometime back about the the COVID summit, the Rome oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. Rome summit, mm-hmm. and that current number. I checked it the other day. To date, is over fifteen thousand doctors, oh, wow. doctors and scientists that have yes. de- declared uh, that uh, something be done. And that was the title of the episode, by the way, guys. Doctors yeah. and scientists worldwide call for crimes against humanity. Uh, exactly. So if you want to know what we're talking about, go back and listen to those. Uh, absolutely. So uh, and these two guys that we just spoke about, Dr. Robert Malone and and Dr. Peter McCullough, have signed that declaration. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, these, these guys are serious about what they're doing and want, and want to, to help uh, the citizenry and the people of, of this country, actually both of them around the world. Yeah. They, they want to help, yeah. not, not just in the United States. So, all right, Ben, uh, 
Anything else before we wrap up? No. Good stuff. Yeah. Good show. Um, I wow. I like it. Just, yeah. yeah. Wow. Like Sometimes that's about all you can say. And it yeah. just just until wow. you process it. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. God help us. So let's uh, let's go to a, appeal to Him now. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, yeah, help us. We we need help uh, as a as a collective society. But no, we we are not seeking collectivism. Uh, we we were God given a a liberty and and uh, civil uh, civil liberties and and certain freedoms individually. And Lord, it appears that they have been uh, are being yanked away. And it's not a comfortable thing. It's a little bit, uh, Lord, it's a little bit more than yanking off a, a bandage, and, and you know this. So, Lord, we want to continue to lift up all of those uh, out there listening, our listeners. Uh, we want to lift up uh, doctors and other people on, on other platforms. There's many out there, and we can't begin to name them all, but uh, you know who they are. May your blessings be upon them. Lord, may we not stop uh, in, until I, I, the work is done, and that is just uh, spreading the truth. And, and Lord, we, we thank you that we can seek you for strength. Help guide us and lead us with spiritually, mentally, and uh, until we meet again, Lord. May you not only... Bless our listeners uh, diligently, but may you help us along the way to seek you and truth with every fiber of our body, morally, ethically, and may every intent of our thoughts be pure. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 